starting to create accountability partners, those people who you can be vulnerable with and being able to utilize them regularly and strategically to say, hey, you said you were going to do this. Did it happen? Hi, welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. My name is Gabriella Denry, MD, and I'm here welcoming a wonderful guest today that we're going to talk about some really good stuff about entrepreneurship, about pivoting, and about finding and rediscovering one's purpose. I want to introduce to you now Dr. Omolara Thomas Uemedimo. Omolara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Gabriella. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for being here. I'm going to just start right away by asking what motivated you, what made you decide to become a physician? Yes. So a few things I think it's a little bit complicated. So I am a New Yorker. I'm the daughter of Nigerian immigrants. And anyone who knows us knows that there's only three jobs that children are allowed to have. (laughs) One One of them being a physician. But Um, My mom was a visiting nurse and actually instead of going to after school, she would bring me along on her trips and on her visits. And I was basically her right hand person. So helping with dressings and just really enjoyed the connection she had with patients, but also recognized that I was someone who wanted to be able to call the shots and be able to recognize that from very early And so fell in love with not so much the medical part of being a doctor, but the relationship part of just seeing how connected. And I love children. And so being a pediatrician kind of became a lifelong goal at the early age of five, especially because I had a Black woman pediatrician and I had to see her often because I had sinus issues. So that really as a conglomerate kind of just really cemented my passion for it. So there was a source of inspiration with your own doctor, as well as your mother, who was a source of inspiration. And yes, I call it the Haitian high five. (laughs) (laughs) You've got five choices of professions and you have the Nigerian three, which which I think works very, very well. And at the same time, you signed that form to get into med school and you put in your application and you went through your journey and made it your own. So how did that start switching for you between just being a pediatrician to being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I think, you know, I pretty much ended up doing global health as my pediatric calling, particularly because of all of the exposure I had on visits to Nigeria and ended up really just being very focused on clinical care. However, when I actually ended up after residency living in Sub-Saharan Africa in Malawi and realizing that clinical care was just kind of the tip of the iceberg and really a lot of the control around health outcomes really stood around the public health arena. And so I started to delve a little bit more into getting my MPH and coming back to the United States and being able to learn more about how do we improve healthcare delivery. Finally ended up in academia, doing research and training and also teaching at the MPH school and doing all the things, still seeing patients and ended up burnt out. (laughs) I think many of your listeners could probably hear that coming. And it was really hard because I felt like I needed to step away from clinical because I wanted to be at my best if I'm taking care of patients. But what I realized was I had normalized kind of the overworking, the struggle, the self-sacrifice. And just so I was supposed to step back, but I basically filled it in with lots more work and ended up 
hospitalized in May of 2019 with an autoimmune disorder and was found to have multiple sclerosis. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you mentioned that when we talked last week, and I think that, you know, having that experience as a physician to be able to say, Hey, you know what, this is not working for me. I have to step back, but you didn't just step back and took a few days off. You stepped back because you had a chance and an opportunity, I think, even with MS to really look at what was important to you. And I say that from personal experience as well. I really burnt out to the point where I had to step back and really look at what is important to me and how do I dig into that? And you made some pretty powerful choices with regards to your next steps and your next moves. And I'm wondering if you would like to talk a little bit more about melanin in medicine. Yeah. So basically, I think one of the interesting things was that I probably was getting hints to sit down and slow down. And I almost feel like God was like, okay, since you're not listening, I'm going to sit you down. And so my presentation for MS, which looks different, was that my right side, basically I had a left cerebellar lesion. And so my right side was basically just not working pretty much. And so I couldn't Mm -hmm. walk. And I think one of the things around this was the idea that my work was taken from me, distributed amongst five people. And I had this weird moment, you know, I started med school when I was 18. So I had this weird moment when I was doing nothing, like I had nothing. And it was like the first time that I had to sit alone with my thoughts and start being instead of just doing. And Mm. in that, there's a huge amount of self-discovery that I had never done, that I had to do. And during along that, I realized that I was living my life for validation and for other people's priorities and not really thinking about what brings me joy. (laughs) Whoa. Now that is just straight up honest. (laughs) It's like, this is what's going on. Let me deal with the truth because really being able to get to the next steps starts with that place, that place of why am I here? And at the same time, you still made it your own. Like there is, that's still that part of you that still says, I'm still a doctor, but maybe in a different way. I don't know if that, does that make sense to you? Completely. I think my goal is that you can't tear us away from the idea that we want to help people thrive like that at the core of it. And the expansion of us as doctors is to think about, can you evolve? Can your mission look different each step of the way, especially if your life does. And I think what I uncovered was the fact that I started to do some reflection on what I love doing. I know one of the things that always made me so delighted was when, I don't know why, but women would come to me, specifically Black women in either residents, students, faculty, and would ask me about what I would think about like a strategy for specific things, both personal and professional. And I always would put down everything to sit with those things. I love doing it. And it kept happening. And I realized like that was a moment where I felt like that was a gift or something that Gay Hendrick calls your zone of genius, just something that comes natural to you that people always are like marveling at. And you're like, I don't know. That's just, I don't have any rhyme or reason why that is so powerful. And so in that space, I started to think about what changes that I need to make. And when I went to my institution I talked about how I would really need to accommodate my life and be able to have more bandwidth, more flex hours. And it wasn't a possibility. And so I like pled, like I was like going to everyone because I was so scared of doing something different, even though the urge was you have to create something, Omalar, you have to do something different. 
And I started to think about the fact that could my purpose be this thing that I love doing, but I never really had the bandwidth to really explore. And so I actually started to explore it. I started a podcast. I started a Facebook group just to talk with other women about this idea of how Black women in general are weathering, how stress and the racism that we endure and we still put up a good front and become the strong Black woman, how that is eating at us inside. And that Facebook group grew, then the podcast grew, and then people started asking me how they could work with me to thrive more and feel more fulfilled. And I kind of initially, of course, Gabriella was like, I'm a pediatrician. I'm not sure what do you mean <laughs> until it just kept happening. And then the light bulb went off that maybe I could teach something. Maybe I could share some lessons that I've been learning on my journey. And that was the beginning of Melanin and Medicine. Wow. There's so many facets of this that are interesting. Burnout and Black women physicians, finding, rediscovering one's purpose. And sometimes the vision is not, okay, well, what do I want to do 10 years from now? And some people are able to answer that question. But for others, it's like, well, it's more of a series of bumping into things. And people who are, as you said, gravitated to you because somehow there was an energy that they wanted and needed and were going to you for advice or for questions that they may have personally or professionally. And then through that, discovering where your natural gifts and talents lie and how you could bring that forward. So, you know, it can go both ways, you know, as I talk to clients and are rediscovering as well. It's like, we may not know what the future holds, but maybe what's here now and what is natural to you is your guide. And I appreciate that part of the story. I think that's beautiful. But you have also gone through several evolutions. That's a nice way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) Of melanin and medicine and your mission has grown. Yeah. And has morphed. And in a very short period of time, I mean, we're in 2021. You started in 2019. Yeah. And so like I put, I guess, my shingle up November 2019 and I had three clients. We worked in a group starting January 2020. So, yeah, it was quite not very long now. And I think, you know, melanin and medicine really just thinking about a space where black women physicians always have to have answers. Right. Always have to be the ones who are answering questions, but never can ask questions and never can have a space where you can feel vulnerable, even with your family and other Black women, just because of the fact that you're in this space that people often think is, you know, privileged, which it is privileged, but people also think that everything's perfect. And And you're under a microscope. And you're under a microscope. (laughs) In a way that other physicians may not be. Correct. And I think that, you know, ultimately... What this was, was for us to be able to say, I think I was very vocal, which is why people gravitate about how I was unfulfilled, you know, how I had this deep burning to do something different, how everyone was saying that, you know, if you leave, it's going to be a waste or something of that sort. And so when people were hearing those messages, they were starting to say, wow, I feel stuck. I feel trapped. I feel overwhelmed. I feel unfulfilled. And it was like, this is a space where we can talk about that for real, like with and. So I started initially with just doing trainings in a framework, which really mapped out around self-discovery, building self-preservation skills, gaining support, and using a vision to start to carve out your strategy and what you want to cultivate now. Mm -hmm. And during that time, the women who I worked with started to tell other women, then they didn't want to leave. So we started creating a community after the lessons were over. 
And it really now became this space where people started to what I call pivot into your purpose, started to say, I don't have to stay here and feel like this is my only option, especially since I have gifts that I thought only could be performed as a physician, but they can be performed in any such way. Some people it meant becoming artists. Some people it meant resigning and leaving their jobs. Some people it meant adding something. And some people it meant just putting more boundaries in their lives so that they can feel more fulfilled. And what I've realized is our evolution from work-life integration has really moved towards having so many women uncover their purpose and say, okay, I need to create a space where I'm going to fit and Mm -hmm. moving into entrepreneurship. And moving into that is not easy. I, at the same time, was going through my illness I was actually just starting up a practice with two other Black women pediatricians who left academia as well. And so I was basically balancing two businesses and really was kind of focused, but also using this framework, really learned how to build those in a way that didn't burn me out and stress me out and still kept fulfillment, ease, and lifestyle at the core. And that I think has been you know, the reason why both of these businesses have scaled both financially in terms of multi-six figure, but also in impact and in the freedom that I think a lot of us are looking for and rarely get in medicine. More after this message from Doc Working Thrive. We have something really exciting at Doc Working that we want to tell you about. It's called the Doc Working Thrive Subscription Membership. And it's almost a little bit like burnout insurance. If you don't need that, you just want another way to know how to thrive, this is it. This subscription includes weekly video tips delivered straight to your inbox, exciting small monthly group coaching sessions where you actually have access to be coached by one of our top coaches at Doc Working. You get access to virtual courses, including STAT, quick wins to get your life back a leadership course called A New Era of Physician Leadership, and another course called Communication for the Win. All of these courses are delivered virtually, so you can do it on your own time and with your own schedule. And you also will have access to 24-7 private Thrive Physician Facebook community. All of these different features come to you as part of the subscription. It's an incredible value. We are so excited for this community Don't wait. Go right now to docworking.com to find out how you can sign up for the Doc Working Thrive subscription membership. And so at this point, what's interesting is you're now making another jump. (laughs) Yeah, I have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your problem. (laughs) I've always had that issue where it's like, this is not enough. What else can we do? Like, You know, but I also what I feel that has happened more since I've been able to create more space, I will tell you the way I think my businesses have grown as well is because I'm creating more space to not do things, right? To like have just like flex space. And I think it allows for me to start to think and also listen, which I never did before. Listen to the stillness, that place of knowing and intuition. And the call was, You have to create something that now can guide women, not only into like the beginning of entrepreneurship, but also guide them into what, you know, the tweaks and the ongoing support that it takes 
to make sure that they create spaces that actually grow and can bring others in and can last. Tell me more about that word support, which is one of my favorite words and something that as Black women, it's not necessarily something that's at the top of the list, either personally or professionally. And how do you make that central to your message? and to your incubators, to your programs? Yeah, we have like three hallmark modules that we have in our framework, which are create your crew, claim your courage, and act with accountability. And those are under our support. And really the creating your crew is being more strategic. There's a great book by Charlie Gilkey called Start Finishing. And he talks about a success pack. And he talks about the fact that no success pack is complete without guides who've done it before, peers who are normalizing your journey, supports who are helping hold you up and making sure everything happens. Like, you know, my husband making sure the kids aren't down here bothering me. (laughs) And your beneficiaries and making sure that you are in touch with the people that you're doing your work for and having that success pack, but then also claiming your courage to delegate and to successfully use them and allow for those people to show up for you because they're waiting to do that. And it shows a level of trust and connection when you decide, hey, this piece of what I'm doing, I need to give it to you. I trust you. And it also, of course, allows for you to have the bandwidth to not just be good, but be great at whatever it is. And the last piece is accountability and starting to create accountability partners, those people who you can be vulnerable with and being able to utilize them regularly and strategically to say, hey, you said you were going to do this. Did it happen? And keep you moving and progressing. Right, exactly. So accountability, courage, and support, having that crew, personal crew, professional crew, entrepreneurship crew, mentors, sponsors, people who can guide the way, people who are at your level, people who have been there and who can move you forward or help you move forward. And of course, speaking of vision and doing a vision are two very different things. Oh, yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, action is required. And sometimes yeah. oh it's overwhelming, especially yes. if you don't know what you're doing and it's new territory. So having that support is absolutely key. Yeah, I was just going to say, we just had an office hours yesterday, our business strategy inside of Melanin Medicine that we do on Tuesdays. And it was really about all of those women talking to each other and talking about this confidence piece. And you sit there and you're like, do you know what you've done? Like, there's only 2% of us, right? And it's kind of those things, those limiting beliefs that come like, I can't do this. You know, that unconscious incompetence now has become conscious incompetence. Now I know what I don't know. And this is really scary. But being able to see other people moving, it normalizes it. And it says, okay, I guess if she's swimming, I guess I can go in. It's a lot more to think, okay. (laughs) I'm not the only one here and (laughs) we'll get to shore, you know? Exactly. I'm in awe of this work because I'm also hoping that younger physicians coming up, especially Black women physicians who are coming up, are hearing your words and really understanding that there are people who've been through it, they know it, and there are ways to get that support and get that crew together and keep getting encouragement. And encouragement is not necessarily inside of medicine. It can be, but oftentimes it's outside. Has that been the case in a lot of your clients? I think it's been both. I think that one of the things that has been particularly important has been having that, you know, community inside of medicine who understands kind of, you know, so you're not feeling isolated 
But yes, I think that one of the main tenets of this has been identifying what your voice is and remember that I was somebody before I became a doctor and not allowing being a doctor to consume us and then erase everything. It's almost like a wildfire that now decides to erase everything that ever existed unless we truly are proactive and ruthless and protective about the other pieces of us. Some of my women, it's been art. Some of my women, it's been music. Some of my women, it's just literally been finally finding time to exercise and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And understanding the backlash that happens in a society that's very socialized to see Black women as the mule of the earth and see us as people who don't say no, we'll always show up. And so that's been hard. And I think though, once you do it, it gets a lot easier and easier and then addictive. I like the addictive. My default is no. And then it's like, I'll get back to you. Exactly. Wow. Those are powerful words. And I thank you for sharing those because I think a lot of us can relate to that, that saying no can be difficult simply because, well, what is somebody going to think of me? How is this going to affect my track forward? And then what? You're right. We're only 2%. What is the impact here? And at the same time, if I forget about this 2% and just say point blank, I'm a human being and I have the right to live my life and I'm going to live my life, then that becomes a completely different point of view. So Omalana, my last question for you is, I've noticed from your website, you're talking about now, as I said, the next jump is the mastermind group. Why a mastermind group? Yeah, so we've always had a mastermind group. However, it was a mastermind. Initially, I love communities, masterminds, but we also, of course, drop in masterclasses and additional coaching and co-working just to make it more robust. And I think, you know, the idea was our mastermind was really about like getting you to focus on who you want to be and putting yourself first in order for you to be able to really pour into the people with your best self. And I think now the thought is I am no longer going to tolerate you know, the status quo. I want to tolerate building. I want to tolerate creating, but not really knowing where to start. And I think the most important thing we in medicine see a lot of our work is loner work, work that just like, you know, we do on our, I'll get the diagnosis, I'll do this. And what I found in my journey through entrepreneurship was that community was essential And also community was the thing that leveled me up. I think that's what accelerated my progress by being with other people who were like, you know, not complaining over here and like, oh, this is, but who were like, look, we're going. Are you coming? Are you you coming? (laughs) Come on, we'll have you, but you got to get on this ride, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so basically what we did was we're starting an incubator just to help people through that bridge of found the purpose and want to now like solidify the infrastructure. But our longer 12 month mastermind, which is going to start after Thanksgiving, is really going to be more about having our expert master coaches, a lot of women who have developed relationships with marketing, sales, and just having all of them in one place. Because I think that was the difficulty as an entrepreneur, having to be like, okay, I need some mindset support. Let me find this person. I need some sales support. And being able to have it in one space and have them be Black women who are connected to the mission of melanin and medicine and that aren't just drop-in people, but actually will be there 
and get to know you and build that relationship. And so we kind of have our little like inner circle that I believe already has actually done wonders. Actually, one of the women who is in our group who just joined our incubator, she already got her first client and it's been a week. And I'm like, and it literally was doing the onboarding. And then I think just getting the confidence to look at opportunities that were in front of her and saying, let me act and stop sitting here. And so that's the kind of progress that I hope the women who come into our community, who we get blessed to serve, will continue to have. Excellent. There's a lot more, (laughs) I have no doubt. And so I'm just excited for you. I'm excited for what is to come. And I'm excited for the community that you hold and that space that you hold for them and moving them forward and bringing in the resources necessary to create that support. And for more importantly, for Black women physicians to really understand that they have it in their own hand to move in the direction that they want to move in. And so, Omolata, (laughs) I can sit here all day. I just thank you so much for being a guest on Doc Working, the whole physician podcast, because you really do talk about the whole physician and not just the title. And I appreciate that. Thank you for creating a space for us to talk about these issues. It's so important. So I'm appreciative and honored to be here. Thank you. This is Amanda Taran. I'm the producer of Doc Working, the Whole Physician podcast. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. And thank you for listening.